So the reason I'm calling you might might be able to suspect is that there's a lot of rumors out there that you have flown the coop and decided to do easy listening music and uh, leave everyone in the dust there based on your website <laughs> update. Easy, easy listening music. Actually, yes, I'm uh, producing for Yanni, and uh, I'm also uh, playing backup digital sax on Kenny G's next album. Oh, excellent. Very nice. Yeah, and then we're going to hit the road for a tour. It's going to be called Menage a Froth. Menage a Froth. Excellent. A little bit of the uh, <laughs> the Santorum music, huh? <laughs> David Sanborn's opening, and um, I believe Kataro. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but uh, he's going to be playing the water bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I think I think uh, the the sport of watering needs to be represented more in uh, in contemporary music. <laughs> no, it's 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 totally fictional that I'm that I'm leaving one in the dust everyone in the dust if there if there was ever a collective everyone um yes. Miami has definitely turned me out and turned me into something uh very different but uh, I've, I've still uh got a few hard core break core bones left in my body they're just uh now uh shaped like flamingos and you know very nice all right that'll fit in uh, just just right down there <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm still. I played New Year's Eve. I did a actually DJed uh, an, an awesomely fun hardcore breakcore gabber set to some very appreciative Milwaukeeans, and then uh, drove straight to Madison. Well, picked up my dad and my 65 year old dad in between, and took him with me to the New Year's Eve gig in Madison, where I played with uh, Josh Anonymous, who played on drums and. Our good friend Disco Joe, who plays uh, guitar with the two of us now, we're kind of in in some aspects like freeform acid rock hippie gabber, I guess. That sounds <laughs> really cool. That sounds uh, that sounds like something I'd check out. Yeah, it's it's really fun. Um, there's there's talk of me moving back to Wisconsin with my girl and my child and all that. Um, wow. And if that happens, then we'll actually cohesify into an actual band and. Uh, do something really interesting so although taking it on the road that's an issue that uh, i don't know not i'm not looking to travel so much i'm enjoying being being sedentary having a uh, having a home to go home to and whatnot yeah exactly and just you know doing the whole break core travel thing well it was uh fun as heck you know oh yeah it was, it was crazy. You never knew what you're going to run into. You never knew where you're going to fucking sleep. You, know, you never, you never knew uh, who's weird, what weirdos fold out couch you'd end up on, and what what video game system they'd be showing you, and uh, what you'd be wiping your ass with. But you know, when when you come home with dimes and nickels in your pockets at the end, it's kind of like, okay, that was fun. That was like summer vacation, but I don't want to go do that <laughs> repeatedly because it hurts. That that's certainly understandable. Yeah. So so what is what is the skinny with with the website there? Who are those people? Why are they kissing? And uh, <laughs> wh- whose jeep <laughs> keys are those on the counter? That I can't comment on because that 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 is none of my doing. Okay. That is uh, the the venerable uh, Reverend William uh, Floyd, aka Stunt Rock, aka Regret, is is uh, taking care of business on that, and he's the the minister of the press okay he's the one he's the one who decided to simply um put that picture there and 
flag the top of it with the end of an era. And uh, apparently it's... uh, I am commenting on this even after I said I couldn't comment on it. But anyways, apparently it's some friend of his that he's trying to pull a prank on. And um, he also had this little hissy fit as he he does occasionally about... um, about me not being on time for things. Ah, I see. Okay. So <laughs> it had to do with our, our annual or sometimes semi-annual Addict Records official business meeting, and I ended up having a gig that night and couldn't make it. Oh, so you, you hose the Henderson account for him. What's that? You, you hose the Henderson account for him. Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty much. And But I, I, we did end up having our semi-annual meeting, and uh, things are actually looking up. Unabomber is now slated to release a record on Distort this year. Wow. We got them to commit to doing an actual record, Real Vinyl Wax, this year. And um, I just talked to uh, one of the production distribution companies that does Distort. It wasn't doing Addict, but now they're going to start doing Addict for us, so... That would get the ball rolling because um, outside of Regret 3, which was not um, actually done by the people that we were working with before, that was done out of Stunt Rock's pocket, okay. we didn't uh, have any releases in 2007. Some and that, that is definitely not the way we want it to be. Some had and noticed that and, and were predicting dire things based on that. I'm glad ah, that's no, not the case. Because, you know, you know it's, for us, it's never been a question of, like, this is a business or this is you know, a trendy thing. This is like something that a group of friends came together to do a long time ago with the idea of never there being a financial profit or a start game or an end game or anything like that. It's like, okay, let's just put music out forever until we die. So that's what we're, that's what we're planning on doing. If it slows down for a while, you know, and it's bound to, to happen like that. And it's for us, it's no comment on the music industry or anything like that because we had terrible failures when when the vinyl market was thriving. You know, we right. we put out "Have a Few Get Some," which is one of the best records that we've put out that sold like absolute. Well, I got but, mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, man, I've got I've still got probably a hundred of them in my parents' basement, and I look at those every time. I'm like, man, people just didn't get it. It was also the fact that it wasn't a, a disc jockey friendly record at all. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that. So yeah. It was, and it never was made to be, but I, it was also at a point where uh, myself as a disc jockey it wasn't really sticking to the rules of you know of beat mixing and all that, which you know a lot of a lot of people say, but they bullshit because they just can't mix. Mm-hmm. But you know there is a, there is a certain uh, nuance to being able to pull off fun little weird mixes with odd records, and that's how I feel about that record is that it's just an odd little piece of history that's deeply rooted in kind of the barn scene. That's good uh, that you mentioned that. That sort of leads me into my next question. I was posting uh, a a plea for questions to ask you and someone mentioned meat. And I I, I know a little bit about it and I've seen your historical reticence to talk about it, but is there uh, any sort of background you can uh, uh, give me on that or give us on that rather? As far as you said, you said meat, right? Yeah, yeah. I can give you a, a brief history of it, although Josh or Marty might be better at it. They were actually the original founders of meat. Okay. Hold on, I gotta let this plane pass over. Um, Josh 
who is anonymous and Marty, who is Abel Kane and Davros, and the two of them are have a few get some. They uh, worked together at some telecommunications businesses, and they did this uh, project that was on cassette, probably like ten cassettes or something. That was all stolen footage. You know, they have that whole thing where you work at a telemarketing business, you're not supposed to steal the audio, but they were stealing the audio. Gotcha. in huge chunks, and they found all the calls that were their own, and they put that out. And uh, from that, they took little snippets of that, and they also they decided they wanted to make this thing called Meat, where they would just record themselves uh, playing Meat. Okay. So, so in Josh's parents' basement, they got like a cow heart, okay. and they played it, and they recorded it, and had these other like little snippet conversations and weird little skits and shit like that. And they they put out um, super limited edition tape. And then, um, I don't even remember how, but it got decided that they should do a performance of it at the barn. And this was before the barn really had taken off at all. This is when Jeff just decided he wanted to have these little campouts with maybe 30 of us just hanging out, drinking, and people would bring records. And some of our friends that had uh, electronic gear would bring gear and play. And so Josh and Marty and then uh, this other guy, Jesse, who we called Heavy Metal Jesse because he was heavy metal. a techno producer, analog techno producer, but he was also a hyper-talented drummer that played in all these metal bands and shit, but was never really part of the rave scene. Right. He came along and then brought his ARP, and they just kind of played. And I was at kind of a point in my life or I had reached a breaking point with a lot of things. And when that happens to me, when I get to the top of my cycle and it's time to break, mm-hmm. I really break. And th- I wasn't intoxicated at all. I was just, like, going back to primal shit. They were in the middle of playing this noise okay. that just hit me. <laughs> I don't know where it hit me in my brain, but it really hit me. And I ended up butt naked, flailing around, and basically scared the bejesus out of everyone, who were mostly my friends, that were all pretty much just, like, laughing at me at this point outside of the barn. And um, and they, uh, I was, like, you know, chasing people around with two-by-fours in the barn, grabbing my friends and hugging them and screaming at them. You know, nothing coherent. Just, whoa! And then it was over, and it was kind of like, wow. Dan lost his shit. Okay. Uh, that wasn't supposed to happen during that performance, but it did. And then we decided, okay, we're going to do something with this. We we got something really stupid here. So we... Uh, Once you had the the golden formula down. <laughs> the golden formula, if you will. So then we decided that we were going to play it further, which is the uh, the Drop Bass Festival. Okay, I've heard it, of that. It was a three-day outdoor techno camp out. started in 94. Um, you know, they had the likes of Aphex Twin, Frankie Bones, and, you know... That, all that, the Daft Punk played there in 96, all these huge names. And I think it was further 97, or 97 or 98 they had at this county fairgrounds. And we were booked to do meat. And this is when I was kind of in the hard party and heavy drinking mode. Okay. Living with a bunch of guys in a shitty house. Um, and we went out there and set up this whole elaborate stink house i didn't bar- i didn't barely do any of it actually i showed up and just got loaded and everything up but um so we did meet sort of before meet ever really even officially started uh i was just plastered to the gills blacking out and, and you know have very 
little recollection of it. But I was chasing people around with torches and throwing mortar oil on people, trying, you know, just causing as much chaos inside of a rave party. And it was almost, uh, what I look back on now is trying to make a statement that people were just zombies and they needed to be woken up. For some reason, I don't know, I just felt like, hey, come on, let's go, let's... Well, a there, was a, there was a movement, but there was no purpose, and I wanted there to be some sort of some sort of a purpose to it, some sort of art to it, some sort of differentiation. I just felt like something had become stale. Maybe it was within myself, and I was just you know pushing it uh, to the outside. Well, anyways, I mean, that's that's the main complaint you hear about you know quote unquote the scene is that it's just like a, a getting messed up club. But it's, uh, turn yourself up again. I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. It, it, that's the main complaint I hear, even around here, you know, in this day and age, is that the party scene is just like a getting messed up club, and then everyone is is co- coagulating around, like you know, the chemicals. Yeah, and, that, and I think that's you know, I wasn't really one to be judging at that point because I was uh, drinking a lot, and you know, just kind of had this, I guess evilness about me that I was uh, projecting onto other people because I wanted to see things become chaotic, but I also wanted to see uh, creativity come out of it, some art come out of it, something fantastic come out of it, and I didn't feel like there was anything fantastic. I felt like there was this straight line that had plateaued for so long. Anyways, to continue with meat, um, we played uh, in a bar. We got invited to play in this bar in Milwaukee by these punk rock bands. I don't know if they, they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into. But that's when we kind of started. <laughs> we kind of really put it together. We started practicing. We got um, Heavy Metal Jesse to play drums through part of it while Anonymous did some other stuff. We brought in an actual talented guitarist and a talented bassist that could cover up for all of the lack of talent. <laughs> and um, we did stupid stuff like uh, if another, like with the punk rock bands, they played a Black Sabbath cover before us. And they couldn't, they couldn't do it. So uh, they, it took like four starts for them to get it. So of course we jump on stage, and uh, we had rehearsed a couple of Black Sabbath songs a couple of times. And I said, "Okay, let's play Black Sabbath. Let's show these fuckers how it's done, real retard style." And we we did stuff like that. But at the same time, we had gone to the Mexican grocer and bought you know twenty pounds of chicken feet and livers and all the most disgusting things you could ever find and there were, you know, random band members jumping up on the bar, stealing bottles, throwing them in the air, flying everywhere, just uh, utter complete chaos. And that's what we were perpetuating, that's what we were about at the time. Was more the performance than the actual content of the music, it seems. Yeah, but there was a content to the music. There was, we had, we rehearsed, you know, we rehearsed week in and and week out because we we knew that if we were going to do this crazy shit, that there was this whole, like, G.G. Allen thing where it's like, okay, but he had no music behind him. We're like, all right, we're not going to be that. We're going to have at least something behind us. You know, so so Marty would, you know, take care of the computers. I would run some samples if I could even stand up. Um, Josh and Jesse both played drums. Jesse also played keyboards. We had a bassist and a guitarist who could actually play. The thing is that we just, we did. We basically didn't allow ourselves to get booked into any decent venues that we could actually sound good in. You know? Okay. There wasn't. There wasn't that possibility. The actual. I believe the final show. We only played a few of them. Well, no, we got booked to play a, on two more drop bass parties, which is insane to me. Uh, Kurt just always had this whole. He wanted the craziness too, you know. Right. But he. He had kind of created this thing 
uh, you know, me as a DJ, he had he had been booking me and promoting me. So I said that he had created this thing where he kept wanting more out of us, and we were more than happy to give it. Eventually, it came to bite him in the ass. That'll come later. But we played uh, for him at a New Year's party and uh, started the set out. Um, by having a guy read passages from the Bible and then lighting the Bible on fire. His, oh, his hands, unfortunately, lit on fire as well. And that kind of started this whole downward spiral where everything kind of fell apart, and we had a crowd of probably like 500. And I just there was a security gate uh, between us and the crowd. I picked up the security gate and just bum-rushed the crowd. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, knocking, who I don't know, probably, you know, all these raver girls that are like, oh, what's going on? Down on their asses, their boyfriends are getting all mad. It's just complete and utter fucking chaos once again. So it ended up that Marty and I just had to play on our computers through the whole set. Um, so that was the, the next failure of meat. And the last and final one, um, I might not be doing this chronologically right, but the final one was at the next further, which amazingly we got booked to play again after I had made a complete wreck out of the one the year before, you know, they had basically had to kick me out and then let me sit there for a day and a half where I, where I dried out. And then they said, let's have more of that. And then they said, let's have a whole lot more of that. They booked, we, we, uh, came back the next year, uh, brought our, brought our own stage. Um, God, I might be totally doing this out of order. I'm, now that I'm thinking back, I, I don't know if this is the right, how these all shows went in the line. Well, I'm sure the people on Discogs will send some angry emails correcting you. <laughs> yeah, people, people on the internet that know more about you and what you did chronologically than what you actually did. You know, and that's why it's always fun to not have a, a, a cell phone connection, not have a camera, not have anything. Just let it be a memory. But uh, so, Kankakee County Fairgrounds. This is a party where there's cops everywhere. There's the co- the county commission is there because they heard there's a rave. And it's supposed to be an alcohol-free party, and um, we we start. Billy and I are hiding by the, behind the stage, giggling as we as we chug a, a full fifth of Telemore Dew. Oh, good stuff! Then, uh, yeah, Billy comes out immediately. He's already cut himself open on the forehead. He's bleeding everywhere. Oh, that's where that picture comes from. Yeah, that's okay. where that picture comes from. He's bleeding everywhere. There's, you know tons and you know i don't even know how many pounds of of uh you know raw beef flying in the air and at this point there's about a thousand people gathered around their on fire just picture the most decadent scene you know the most dionysian scene you could ever picture and then like multiply it by 10 i'm in a prom dress with a woman's wig on we're we're running through like i don't even know what we're running through at this point and <clears throat> I'm I'm half naked. All of a sudden, I'm naked, and I turn around, and there's a 55 gallon drum flying in the air, and Billy is catching it on his head while falling back into the drum set. You know, giving himself a half concussion. Of course, the show must go on, so I pick up the mic. At that point, we're pouring whiskey on the whole crowd, and I'm I'm ranting and raving about how I'm I'm, I'm thanking the police department for doing such a great job <laughs> enforcing the law, and I'm thanking at an alcohol free party. I'm thanking the county commission for having an alcohol free party. It's a great thing to do for the kids. Oh, you know, everybody get naked. Let's have anal sex. Let's party. And <laughs> the, and then um, after that point, 
I really can't reflect on much. All I know is that I ended up in the back of Josh's van, like on an escape route. Like, holy sh! You've been kicked out. We got to leave now. There's people that want to kill you. Apparently, I had urinated on someone's equipment, and um, <laughs> the the next thing I remember was being in uh, a McDonald's on an overpass in Illinois, thinking it was really funny to order 6,000 uh, filet fish sandwiches and 4,000 orders of fries, and telling the guy he's got to ring that in, dude. And I want 12,000 waters. There's a lot of hungry people outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is pretty funny. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, w- woke up the next day and, uh, you know, felt like I had been hit by a truck, but I was young enough to recover from it quickly. And at that point, we basically, uh, I think, I think at that point, Maybe there was another barn show after that. There were some barn shows mixed in there, too, with the meat band, but at some point, both the bassist and guitarist just said, fuck this. <laughs> this, is, this is retarded. Yeah. This, is, this is stupid. Someone's going to get hurt, and I'm playing with all these techno dudes that are just out of their minds. You know, <laughs> So we lost the guitarist, we lost the bassist, and we all kind of stopped and looked at each other and said, where do we go from here? We're not going to do that again because if we we do, Billy is going to catch you know a pane of glass on his head to try and shock the world, and right. someone's going to get you know decapitated or lose an arm or something like that. So that was the happy end of meat, and there is no way that it will ever get back together as meat. You know, we've all kind of gotten together, collaborated, done stuff together. We all still talk. I know that the guitarist. And the bassist, uh, well, the guitarist now writes code okay. in his parents' basement uh, and does not play guitar anymore. The bassist is married and I think watches lots of television and uh, doesn't play bass anymore. Josh, of course, now uh, still produces like crazy, um, just bought a house and built a studio in it and oh. is playing in a rock and roll band. Not really DJing too much anymore. Um Billy bought a house. He's living by himself in Illinois, but has a girlfriend that he's pretty serious about. Apparently, he's very into uh, tossing salad and getting his back waxed. All right. Uh, Marty has aluminum foil over all of his windows and uh, has a lot of instruments and is still producing insane stuff, man. The last time I went there, he's like doing a musical, all musical interpretation of Peter the Wolf with a different instrument playing each character. Okay. And uh, he's also doing uh, Dante's Inferno as a musical journey, 33 chapters, of course. That for, sounds uh, light. What's that? That sounds light, nice and easy. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's very happy stuff. You know, Marty's always been Captain Happy, so he's, he's making more happy time music. Excellent. <laughs> more techno jams for the masses. Very nice. So no, uh, no chance of a reunion as Veggie Burger or something like that. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think so, man. We, all of us are kind of past that uh, that point where you know the early twenties where we you know uh, you know where violence is awesome. Fuck, fuck you, everybody. Life is so easy. Ah, in your face. Gotcha. Yeah, everyone's kind of grown up. 
Yeah, gr- growing up, still still doing music stuff, for all of us, but, you know, just <laughs> how far can you really take that? Do you really want to be touring with a band whose name is Meat, that their main thing is that they throw meat at the audience and one guy bleeds and one guy gets naked and sometimes the bleeding guy bleeds on the naked guy? I mean... Well, I mean, the logical extension of that is, is death eventually, I'd have to imagine. Yeah, pretty, you know? pretty much. It's like, what are you going to be doing when you're 30, 31, 35? Yeah, it's like... Nah, there has to, that has to be a phase that's, that's moved through and uh, left in the dust. Gotcha. Well, that, that, that certainly explains meat for me. I, I, I had only heard the rumors and, and uh, angry mutterings about the aftermath. <laughs> there were definitely some angry people. There were definitely a lot of... There was, it was a, either it was a total love-hate thing, and I think... There's probably twenty uh, percent love, eighty percent hate, and we we like that. You know, if it would have been five to ninety-five, we probably would have liked it even more. Well, that's how you can tell it's art, right? Yeah, that's how you can. That's how you know that it's it's uh, so good, it's bad. I mean, uh, so bad it's good. Or uh, what's, uh, what's the difference, really? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was what it was, and uh, I had long hair and a goatee and black rim glasses. That's all that needs to be said. Gotcha. All right, so the next question I was asked to ask is when is and who is uh, Pimp Quito? Ah. And if well, you're ever going to release well, we some can, stuff. We can officially disclose this because the album is almost done. Um, Pimp Quito is myself and Otto Von Chirac. And it is an album that is five years in the making. Wow. It will... We're working on the last track right now. We just finished the second to last track, which is called uh, European Breakcore in the Name of Mayonnaise. <laughs> okay. And um, the the album runs the gamut of everything from like uh, really weird uh, gangster rap to uh, some experimental gabberish stuff. Okay. To uh, like 1970s pimp hustler music. Wow. And it's all it's a it's a concept album that I basically came up with in my head along like when I first moved to Miami and Otto said let's work on music I said all right let's do this I've got this weird idea that I want to put out there and I I was really into writing lyrics when we started the album and wanted to make pop songs basically okay and uh, Otto said okay. And <laughs> we made a couple songs, and I was like, well, these aren't pop, but it does sound like the two of us making pop or trying to. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I listen to all the songs. I, I love them. To me, they're absolutely fantastic. There's going to be some people that are going to hear it and just kind of go, what is this? But no one will be able to say that it is underproduced garbage. It is <laughs> over the top, out of control. There's two new kids on the block covers. Awesome. Um, and uh, there's one, actually, if you go to myspace.com slash pimpquito, quito is spelled uh, Q-U-E-E-T-O-E. Okay. Um, it's an abbreviation of Quisto. Um, then you, you'll find out there's this, there's one song up, which is the lead single, which is called Chicks with Dicks. Okay. And um, I've been playing that out live for a while, but that's uh, that's that's the first song you can get an idea of what it sounds like, or sort of. There's going to be twelve or thirteen songs with a lot of skits. Um, we're basically going out on the streets of Miami and finding like the most ragged people we can find and 
giving him like you know half of a chicken wing and a, a you know a shot of twenty eight day old open vodka and saying read this read this <laughs> we're we're having them read the parts because as it is a concept album it is based on the life of the magical pimp Quido who is a uh, a transgender pimp okay. in Miami and uh, a long time ago so the concept is him making an album uh. The concept is, is that uh, man walks into record label office, uh, basically gar- garbles something, throws a demo tape on the uh, on the desk of the of the record label president, and then dies. Okay. And then we have to go go find backtracking. You have to go find the history of who this person is and. And uh, what <laughs> what they did with their life, and it, it includes cross country road trips to get uh, uh, breast implants for a, a cross dressing hooker, one breast at a time. You can only you know <laughs> they're, they're very lopsided because one has to be gotten on one coast, and then they got to make the, enough money to get the other one. Oh, so if you can imagine giving hand jobs with one fake titty, then you got you know you got you got a long way to go getting a dollar fifteen for a hand job. That that might take a while. Yeah. <laughs> wow. and, um, yeah, it's 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 out there. It's definitely out there. So, it's, but we've had. We have had so much fun making the thing, man. It's been a a process, and the the one thing that Otto always says is, "All right, man, we got like we got like one more session, one more day, and we'll finish this." And I'm like, uh, you know, he's speaking of one song in particular. I'm like, man, each one of these songs takes like six months to write. You crazy? Stop saying we're going to finish anything, and here we are, five years later, of course you know, trudging through the last song, trying to trying to finish it up. And the thing is that the, the songs always change because we do most of the work at Otto's place, and his grandmother lives downstairs from him. And she'll call up to him and be like, ah, uh, Oye, Otto, you know, can you bring me down this or that? So Otto will leave, and he'll be working on it. I'll take control and completely change the direction of the song. He's trying to make a booty-based song. And I'll turn the distortion up to 11 and turn the BPMs up to like 300 and be like, yeah, now it's a Gabber song, dude. Sorry. So it's, uh, it's, it's all over the place. It's a total brain smear. But uh, I think it'll be one of the best albums that either of us have ever put out. We've kind of realized our own shortcomings as producers through working with each other and played up both of our strong points. Excellent. So this is not aimed at the pop market, I take it. No, no. We thought about doing that, but then we uh, then we both just kind of said that let's make exactly what we what we want to make because neither of us have ever tried to make pop. There's no sense in it. You know that's that's such the Miami thing to do for people as they move to Miami and then all of a sudden you know you start making pop or start doing that. For me, it was enough to start DJing, like you know club music and all that stuff. It's like okay, that's that's where I'll go to pay my bills. And I wash my hands every time I leave the place, you know, and I leave right. it there. Right. I'm not going to let it cross over into what I'm doing outside of putting out a couple mixed CDs. And people are always like, why don't you use an alias, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, you know, this is me. It's right. what I do. If you, can't, if you can't deal with that fact, then you're, then you're too shallow and you're sitting by yourself wearing a Nazan Bluton hoodie, <laughs> masturbating into a Kleenex, screaming hardcore on the Internet, you know. That's right. 
that's it. That's all there is to it. Wow. And I don't, I don't want to meet you. That's right. it. Right. Excellent. I want to, I want to meet someone who's got a diverse uh, idea of what music is and what it can be, and and see the see the fun and the light in uh, watching beautiful women shake their butts to club music. There is a, a certain benefit to that, a certain appeal. Mm. I have to say. Yeah, it's called money. Right. <laughs> and it pays it pays the bills, so I can sit around and produce other stuff and uh, do uh, do all the fun stuff. So uh, what else, what other uh, fun stuff is on the, the horizon for you or your label mates, aside from the, uh, the Quito stuff? Well, we've got that SkyMall 12-inch that uh, just came out, which I'm, I'm pretty damn excited about. I, I love that, that track, and the remixes that I came up with I think are great. Um, that's limited, and um, hold on, the plane's going by again, damn airport. There goes the plane. I'll do a product plug here. You can actually uh, either pick it up at our website, which is Addict Records, A-D-D-I-C-T, R-E-C-O-R-D-S dot com, or else, or if you're in Europe, you can get it at thehardstore.com, um, and that's where you can get all of our stuff all of the time, both of those sites. But um, after that, we've got the Unabomber thing that's coming out. Stunt Rock has committed to do, or threatened to do anyways, another record. Um, I've got a full album. I've actually got about two full albums worth of stuff that I've been sitting on for a while. Um, total, there's there's one that's like uh, rougher stuff, and then one that's um, more random things. And then I'm going to release the follow up to uh, uh, major changes, which you know people either love or they hate. But you know, my family and friends all love it. Everyone else seems to think that it's you know underproduced and not rough enough or whatever not dormouse <laughs> enough for you yeah, yeah it doesn't have enough dung dung in the mix i guess oh that's too bad and then um what what else have we, have we talked about doing um josh will be due for another record whether that comes in the form of another poncho nightmare record or a dj anonymous record or you know some weird follow-up to have if you get some that that'll be left up to him and uh, Marty, of course, always has a place. And then uh, Aaron Venetian Snares is uh, coming down to Miami for two weeks in uh, the end of February and March. And with this new agreement, I'm thinking that we should be able to corral him into continuing his 7-inch series with us. Oh, wow, excellent. Those have been and, uh, awesome so far. Yeah, just put some, put some fire back under us and get us going again because like i said we're we've got no game plan we've got no business plan we've got no profit loss statement for any year we've got barely any record that we ever existed outside of there being vinyl out there with our name on it and that's totally fine that's how we want it and we're we're, we will never quit there's never going to be an email or a a statement that says we're done and if there is it just means that there's another record coming out <laughs> <That's> to, <All laughs> to right. get to get people's attention again. Very nice. Yeah. So that that uh, that kind of knocks the feet out for my next question, which is a sort of stereotypical like, are you worried about the whole you know digital media death of people purchasing things? Uh, uh, no, not really, because there'll there'll always be a 
to always be a place for the physical goods because, you know, you take, for instance, the Regret 3 package, which came with this beautifully hand-drawn letterpress booklet, a 10-inch right, right. piece of vinyl that I think, to me, and I didn't even fund it because Billy wanted to fund it himself. Um, I, uh, yeah, I think it's one of the best records that I've heard in years. If you listen to it over and over and over, I think most people will come to that same conclusion. It also came with a CD, stickers, a button, <laughs> and there's a whole product line to back it up. Yeah, I was, um, I, I was eyeing those thongs. They look nice. Uh, and at the same time, we'll still put out, you know, like lo-fi distort records with just a sticker thrown on it, but there'll always be a market for the physical goods because people want that. And it's not only just DJs that want the stuff now. There's a lot of, a lot of, uh, our fans have always been just guys that are guys and girls that are diehard for the music and just want a collection. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk to people at shows that say, you know, I don't buy any, of the other kind of music. I don't buy any break core or anything like this. I just buy the addict and distort stuff and that's it. Because, you know, we've kind of done our done our own thing from the start. We're not trying to be a niche label. We're not trying to be a break core label, mm-hmm. a hardcore label, a, a punk rock label or whatever. It's a music label. That's why we've always called ourselves Addict Records Music Company where we'll put out anything that we deem fit. If that means, you know, putting out a tallow disco or spoken word or whatever, that's fine. For some reason, along the way, we got tagged breakcore because we put a series of my records out when I was going through a breakcore phase, you know? Right, right. Which were some of the more popular ones. So people thought, oh, great, it's a breakcore label. And then all of a sudden, it'd be like, what are you doing putting out a punk rock to 7-inch? Are you, uh, what the, I do not understand. Yeah, it's <laughs> obviously not the right business move to make. You know, yeah. if, if I am breakcore DJ from Bosnia. I wish for you to have more breakcore maximum. Amen, please. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm not worried about the, the digital market. You know, we still sell, sell stuff through iTunes. We, uh, you know, I still get a check occasionally from the digital distribution company that we work through, and I still go on Soul Seeker. It was funny, man. I was up in Milwaukee, and I had forgotten some of my files, and I needed to play some of my older stuff for a DJ set. So I went to Soul Seeker, and I downloaded it. You know, I was like, this, this is fucking great, man. Very nice. I, and I, I see it as a blessing. If more people hear this shit, that's great. You know, it's... <laughs> So trying to trying to make this kind of music into money was a mistake that I made a couple of times and learned from. It's art. It's weird. It's not made to make money. Never was. You know, you might be able to make a little money touring in Europe, but it's not anything that anyone should look at as a, a career. Or you know, I'm going to do breakcore as a career, or and, I'm going to be touring for breakcore as a career. Okay, you're a fucking idiot. Right. Good luck. Right. So that 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 sort of begs the question: What's the deal with the addict mobile? There, I saw. Is that a Photoshop or a real deal or what? Oh, so the the uh, the Dormouse addict records mobile. No, it's, I'm staring at it right now. It's for real. My uh, friend is uh, he works for one of those car wrap places, and he just made the stickers at his work, and we threw them on the car, and it, it was kind of it was super well received. People think it's funny and uh, witty and it's a little bit of good promotion. I've talked and thought about taking him off, but uh, I love that logo that Papiro, the dude from Switzerland, designed so much. And it's also a blast to uh, 
go pick my four-year-old daughter up <laughs> at school, and it's a it's an Episcopalian school, and I, oh, have geez. Drive, I have to drive through this little circle lot, and the teachers come out, and they put your kid in the car for you. Oh, man. So it's like all these all these uh you know lunch ladies in uh in hummers and you know grandparents in lincoln town cars and all that and i'm pulling up in my <laughs> my fresh 2005 corolla with <laughs> with the uh doormouse stickers on it you know so blasting, you... blasting little wayne <laughs> singing along to it like yeah that's me dude you get my money the same as you get their money if you don't like it you know Sorry. Oh, I can just imagine them rushing home to angrily Google like what addict and distort is and getting all in a uh, <laughs> tiff about it. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's what I love. You know, wh- one of the things that I've found since I stopped smoking so much goddamn marijuana is that America really is a mother freedom loving country, and you can do whatever you want, and people get get angry at it. <laughs> but unless someone's willing to step up and say something, who cares? And if they do say something, let's have a conversation about it, man. What don't you like? What do you specifically not like about, you know, me making spastic music with weird, gratuitous samples and, you know, being on the Internet with my shirt off? What's yeah, wrong with that? Yeah, right, because the only, the only possible argument about that is, like, you know, cultural moral decay or something, and you just have to turn on the TV to know oh, that's bullshit. talk about that all day, man. Oh yeah. yeah okay, I can go back and start qu- quoting the Book of Matthew and Corinthians, and we can <laughs> we can we can party all night long if if anyone wants to have a, a conversation about uh, you know moral decay and high fructose corn syrup and oh why boy. Chris- why Christians uh, are allow themselves to uh, you know eat food and get fat when the Bible specifically says to treat your body as a temple. You know, I mean. Uh, Rumsfeld like sort of uh, overrides the Bible, and he invented NutraSweet, so that's pretty much that right there. Like, <laughs> Twinkies are obviously manna from heaven. <laughs> yes, yes, of course, man, and yeah, Splenda and Jesus, hand in hand. That's right, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll save that for another call, so I can do some research in between now and then. <laughs> Cool. So, uh, all right. Tell me this: what's uh, what's new that we have to listen for? What's the hot new stuff out there that you've heard either in your your money DJing or in your your home listening? There. You know, I'm uh, I've been DJing a lot of reggae lately, man. I've been playing a lot of that, but I'm playing a lot of old school stuff. So that's what I'm getting heavily into. A lot of you know, like old school dub, dub Augustus Pablo, Horace, Andy. Um, a lot of stuff that my friends from Milwaukee have turned me on to, actually, all all, all in that genre. Wow. As far as electronic music, yeah. um, <laughs> I'm so out of the loop, man. The only things I ever listen to, I listen to Aaron's new stuff. Um, I listen to Otto's new stuff. Um, if a Prefuse 73 album comes out, I'll check it out. And uh, Sebastian, the dude from the Ed Banger label. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love his stuff. I love how it's produced. I'll even play, uh, like, in, like, Speedcore Gabber straight core sets, I'll play some Justice tracks just because they fit half-tempo so beautifully. Right, right. Um, <laughs> hardcore, the only stuff that I listen to that's new is the the Hellfish stuff. Okay. Just because I, I love how uh, he produces. Not all of it. Not all of it, but there's uh, he has his moments where I'm just like, 
okay, man, you're uh, you're on top of it. But outside of that, man, I have been so far out of the loop uh, that I I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't name a new artist, and I don't know if uh, do I want to. You tell me, man. No, you know, I'm just interested in getting your your impressions of of where is the proper place to waste your time in the the media landscape. Yeah, <laughs> I waste a lot of time now with uh, Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana. Um, what, what else? My daughter loves Flo Rida, okay, which I play in the club all the time. Um, that low, 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 low. Uh, that also has T Pain on the chorus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> What, what what else do I waste my time with? Um, man, you know I've been I'm in the middle of uh, personal training certification and really uh, take, taking my fitness level to an all time high. I just signed up for my first half Ironman, which is uh which half point, the top or the bottom? <laughs> it's a one point two mile swim, fifty six mile bike, and thirteen mile run. Holy crap! Um, and so I've pretty yeah pretty much cut out all negative. Uh, you know, toxins, bad diet, and uh, I work out six or seven days a week, sometimes two times a day. Oh, thanks for mentioning workout. Uh, that's that's one other thing I wanted to mention. Your uh, your new career as a uh, a workout video producer with the Estavio <laughs> series there. You like that, huh? I I, I that really tickles my uh, my brain bone there. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a, a one time only offer. That was. Uh, what, what's the story behind that? It was, it, we won't talk about that very dark period. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. It was that was a, a whole load of fun to make. Um, my girlfriend absolutely hates it, um, but that's that's part of it, you know. Well, yeah, you can. It, it's definitely not designed to be appreciated by the same part of the brain that likes a good movie or something. Yeah, not to mention that my girlfriend hates the girl that's one of the girls that's in that video. Ah, okay. So okay. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of one of those things that that uh, we don't talk about too much around here. But it was it was a blast to make. It was uh, mostly all like all green screen stuff, like put together remotely or whatever. Yeah, it was. Well, my whole part was green screened in. Everything else was shot, and then I had one day to come in and and shoot my part. And basically, I watched the, what the footage they had already have had. Uh, they already had while I was doing my green screen stuff. But the thing was, I didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't really see what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> so that you know, that kind of adds some of the flavor to it. Yeah, uh, I think you picked up on the theme pretty well. <laughs> fairly, fairly well. It was uh, it was it was something else, and actually the. Uh, the YouTube version is cut a little bit short, and it's also part of a bigger video. Oh, I gotta see it. That the the, the brown haired girl who's in the video made a made a longer full length thing with. It's all about positivity and and all that. But yeah, that was kind of <laughs> it was just on a whim. I had mentioned that I wanted to make an exercise video, and the girl was like, "Oh, okay, we can do this." I was like, "Sweet, let's do it." And it was it was a total joke. Uh, but following that up, I am actually working on production of some real exercise videos. Really, with, uh, a, a different group of people. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm I'm teaching um I'm teaching five classes a week now, uh, conditioning classes. Um, ha- uh, two 
two with a women's group, two with a men's group, and then one with a mixed group. And I'm also um, working with several one-on-one clients, one of whom is Otto. Wow. And just, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good change of pace for me. And um, I'm really enjoying it. It has uh, helped me knock out a lot of negative aspects of, of living in general. Wow. So you're, uh, you're coming for John Baisdow next, huh? mentioned that I had one of those shirtless picks up on MySpace and someone com- compared the photo to that guy. <laughs> like, oh, man. Uh, all right, man, if, if that's what you're saying. No, it'll be, it'll be interesting with a different spin. It'll have all my own music in it as well. And, uh, really? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be something else, man. When you, when you see it, you'll, at first, most people will laugh at it and then they'll be challenged to actually do it and i'm i'm just hoping because so much of the like uh, the electronic break core gar 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 is based around self-destruction and getting wasted and drunk and all that stuff and i see so many dudes when i go out and tour that are just destroying themselves yeah for no good reason just because that's supposed to be a part of it well yeah that's, I that, that's i did that for a long time but now i see man you know their life can be great and you can also include this experimental music in it and staying fit for me is one of the most important parts of my life now. And it has really changed the, uh, the mental outlook of my life and also, well, pretty much every aspect of my life. So I want to, I want to take it, uh, the positivity that I've found in that and push it into, uh, into the music, but also do some, uh, some of the video production with it. So you'll be in the next couple of years, you'll be seeing some uh, products that will, spin the head a little bit all right um i'm, I'm curious like a, a dormouse uh, stair climber machine or something <laughs> i'm not i'm not reaching for product endorsement as of yet gotcha but, um, <laughs> there will be there will be uh definitely some some uh, videos that will be produced and uh released excellent very and they nice. will not they will not be a joke as the estavio one is cool Excellent. Well, I appreciate the time, Dan. Yeah, man. I uh, I appreciate the interview. Let me know when you get it all edited and take all the curse words out. And uh, That'll be about six months from now, but uh, yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> That's fine, man. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.